Hello and welcome to another episode of the Barefoot Mediator podcast, news and views from Jane Gunn and guests. In this episode, I speak with David Brewer, who is an author, poet, speaker, life coach and super connector. He is a sensorialist, focusing on energy and aliveness, our need to connect and belong even in times of trauma. So welcome, David. David Brewer. Thanks, Jane. Really, really happy to be here with you. Yeah, thank you. So, David, we've known each other a while through the speaking profession. You're known as a chief sensorial officer. (laughs) And uh, you just mentioned the word to me, sensoriality. That's you're an expert in. So you could, you know, what I'd like you to start with is telling me about your background and your passion for your work. But in particular, you know, how have you come to be a sensorial officer? <laughs> well, you know, self-proclaimed, right? <laughs> no, I've been, I've been known as the sensorial guy for uh, probably seven or eight years and I've been speaking right. about us coming to our senses. Yes. And I- uh, yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it's really an idea of almost coming back to a common sense connection to the world that's more... Um, more visceral, more real, more, um, you know, daily. It's more in connection with ourselves and others and a certain form of embodiment in the way that we show up and uh, walk through the world and experience the world and that we're not in a state of numbness. Uh, We're seeking to feel alive and we're not caught in thinking or an intellectualization of the world, like this famous example of, you know, I think I feel, well, no, don't tell me how you think you feel. (laughs) Start with I feel, you know, so I'm just really seeking to uh, get myself and others to have a more enriching experience of life, uh, which in itself already around us is extraordinary uh, in so many ways. And if we don't continue to return to our senses and bring some wisdom to that, we're missing out on a lot of the opportunities to live a really beautiful experience of of life. And so there's surely a lot of uh, mindfulness, though I use a different word. I call it alivefulness and present moment awareness and Mm. uh, these types of practices to be able to dance uh, and, uh, you know, almost like a zoom lens on a camera to be able to go in and out with all your different senses as you're experiencing life and have some agency over that. And so you suddenly become the author of your own, um, you know, experience of, of life. And that takes, you know, constant practice. I have to constantly check in with myself, right? And like, like wait, where am I? Uh, you know, what am I doing? Uh, What am I sensing? And then what am I appreciating? What's the value that I can give? So I can turn up the volume if I want, if I can amplify that or turn the volume down if there's something that I don't want to be experiencing so much. So it's kind of that approach to, to living. And I blend in with that also just, you know, playfulness and fun. And like we're here for pleasure. And for me, pleasure is the doorway to purpose um, which leads to a performant life. Uh, you know, uh, if there's no fun in it, uh, if there's no joy in it, uh, you know, 
I don't really feel the purpose. I'm just kind of like that. I think sort of this pushing and forcing and, uh, you know, crushing it in all these types of languages for me is not really served so much to keep me in the game with my heart in it and to feel like I'm living like a beautiful life and to share that in, uh, and I'll stop here, I guess, for now to share that uh, with what I call allegresse, which is a beautiful uh, French word. Uh, it means shared joy yes. and sharing it with others, right? Which in one word, I don't know any other language that has, um, I guess, Italian allegria, but in English, I'm not, I've not found sort of the equivalent besides saying it's sharing joy. So your joy that you've cultivated in this whole way of living experience the world then emanates from you onto others. And that becomes this abundant um, experience that you're actually sharing in everything you experience and all the people that you encounter. And little by little, you know, we make the world a better place for, for others. It's not a selfish uh, pursuit at all. It's not a purely hedonic way of looking at the world, even though there can be part of that. And so suddenly you have this rainbow way of experience in the world and not so black and white, yes and no. Um, so that's you know, that's, David. That okay. so resonates with me. And I, looking at your notes, I noticed that you did have a spell at law school, as did I. So uh, where we see the world in black and white. So that's one of the <laughs> I talk about is this shift away from seeing the world in black and white to seeing it in all the colours and discovering your colour. So um, a lot of what you say resonates hugely with me, especially the um, especially the. Uh, uh, the dance element, the element of dancing with life. I, I love that too. <laughs> so what I'd like to ask you then, I mean, we're speaking now in uh, May 2021. So we're in the, well, we don't really know where we are. We're, you know, we're a year into, you know, this crisis uh, relating, uh, you know, around COVID. So many people listening to this will have gone through uh, trauma, uh, you know, uh, chaos, crisis, challenge in their life. And I wonder what you make of the times we're in and where some of what you're saying fits into that. Mm, yeah, really challenging times for a lot of people in a lot of places around the world. Mm. Um, tremendous loss. Mm. I, I feels like everyone I everyone I know has somebody in their entourage who has um, suffered and or passed yes. during this period. So it's, you know, it's hard to say it hasn't affected all of us in one way or another. And just globally, I mean, you know, enough is really to be said about that. But like everything in life, your reaction to it uh, is really the panacea to living through this and getting through on the other side as best as possible. And I, I only wish, and I've tried as much to share uh, around that, the, you know, when we, again, if we come back to a sensorial way of experiencing life uh, and getting more like a HD camera lens on our senses and finding a way to actually get more juice out of the orange of life right now. And this could be, you know, in the moment that you connect with somebody, because we have not too many moments like that are, you know, I've, I've been mostly living alone during this whole period. And so finding a way to feel 
alive and connected has been challenging. And so we need to get super creative and resourceful. And we know, we should know, and if we don't, we need to work on that, like what brings us joy and pleasure uh, and to be able to choose to bring that into our lifestyle and our habits and stuff. So we were talking about dancing earlier. I mean, dancing was something I did, I've done a lot, particularly in the beginning of the period. Uh, there was a great DJ here uh, in France. His name is Bob Sinclair. And he would show up. He showed up for like 55 days straight at 2 p.m. every day to play an original live DJ set on Facebook and Instagram. And he's an insanely talented, brilliant DJ. And so every day I would dance for an hour literally with him. And sometimes I would be on WhatsApp with some other friends and it would be like we were together. So, you know, it's a period that requires us to get tremendously creative and on top of it, like for the long run, right? Like it's goes on for a period, uh, for me personally, the, the most challenging part has been physical, you know, no physical contact with people, you know, uh, just this whole kind of fear thing around that. And uh, while I've been around people like, you know, the whole hugging and the, uh, you know, just like touching really physical touch has been really, really challenging for me. So, you know, I'm hugging myself and occasionally, you know, been able to get some massages and like, you know, go to my osteopath so I can get a sense of these things. But again, it's like, if we can't get so conditioned in this, like sitting on a Zoom screen or something that we disconnect with those activities that bring us the most pleasure, like mostly people can still find a way to, you know, go out and walk, bicycle, work out somehow, get in nature. And like really when you're there, start to get more out of that experience by being more present. Present and more aware of it. And more aware of it. Yeah. And like interacting with it. Like, uh, you know, I was walking uh, this morning out in uh, the woods and uh, I saw this minuscule little, uh, (laughs) little frog. You know, I couldn't believe how little this thing was. This little, little green little frog was like a centimeter, you know, and I stopped and spent a moment there to just kind of observe. So you know, I think as we as we get better at that, we can turn off that which we're not, is not making us feel good right now, like repetitive, watching the news repetitively or, you know, there's just so much negativity. If you, if you open up too much to that, uh, it's going to drown you, you know, and uh, feel your consciousness and uh, create anxiety and, and these types of things. If we focus otherwise on, uh, you know, on cooking, on dancing, uh, you know, on maybe creating something, learning something new. I mean, all these things, a lot of people have been talking about what you can do to kind of get through the the period. But yeah, it's, my uh, my aim is to be able to to express and experience as much you know joy as I can and pleasure during this period, uh, which is going to help us get through this. And especially, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens as things get better and you know things really open up and people can start traveling. And you know, like, is this going to be like you know the deluge? of travel and like hedonic adventure and like over the top excess. And it's gonna be really interesting how we go from what's been a sort of deadening period to then what happens and the fear around that. Right. And like the, like 
you know, uh, and you know, I young people. You mentioned that word fear, David, because that's really, you know, that really has come into a lot of my work as well. Uh, the sense that, uh, you know, that we've got a choice between fear and love and you know that's the choice we have to make it doesn't really matter what times we're living in but if we focus only on the fear or we get drawn into that it impacts so much of what we can do and yet if we get drawn into love whether that's love of dance or love of people or whatever no matter how restricted we are we can give expression to that in some way and that can help us to sort of broaden our horizons if you like and and see what comes from that really yeah absolutely yeah. and so, that's not always so easy to you know do that to stay on that yeah. you know to stay in that place and come from that place and you know just ask yourself the question when you're going through something you know uh, what would love do what would love look like and feel like in this moment in this interaction in this in this challenge uh yeah it's it's a big part of it yeah so, David, what I want to ask you about is is this little book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was I, I saw somebody else mention it on Facebook, and I don't know why. I don't. Well, I do buy a lot of books, actually. That's not true, but I just felt inspired to buy this immediately. And as you know, I, I read it once and then put it aside, and then I picked it up and read it out loud to myself, which is not something we often do. But it's a little book called The Dance Dance of the Love Caterpillars an inspirational romantic tale of the adventure of loving and trusting life. So tell us a little bit about why you've written that, why now, and what the <laughs> message is. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having that inspiration and going with it. That's so great. Uh, you know, I, uh, I had a bit of a traumatic, well, traumatic experience in my life a year and a half ago. I lost uh, my beloved wife of 27 years, uh, uh, who passed away and uh, it was before, uh, you know, before this whole pandemic and everything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was a very tough period of my life, the, the toughest period of my life, surely. And so I was inspired somehow to find a way to share uh, messages of, of hope and inspiration uh, for people who have had, you know, challenging experiences, uh, for example, during the, the pandemic of loss and, you know, whatever that loss is. And so, you know, as, as the sensorial man that I am, I wanted to create something that would not just be a text, that would not be, you know, just regular prose. And so it turned out to be a poet, poetic and story uh, with, you know, 30 beautiful original illustrations uh, and which also has been now turned into an audio book with an original music piano soundtrack. Wow. Um, the illustrations are by Cheryl Vanderpoel and the music composition soundtrack is by Viara Ivanova Dietrich. And, you know, I was trying to find a creative way, which is the way I want to live my life to share not really what I'd been through, though I evoke it in the introduction, but more about what happens in life when serendipitous uh, uh, things happen in the world to you and around you. And, yeah. and the, the allegory in the story is about a tree getting hit by a lightning bolt that kind of comes, comes out of nowhere. And the two caterpillars are walking on different sides of the river. And 
serendipitously, they find themselves there and serendipitously, the tree gets struck down and falls over the river, creating a bridge for them to be able to, you know, head over and actually head towards the same beautiful love flower. And this is a real tree. I don't know if you know this. There are literally love trees that, um, you know, give the shape of a, of a heart. Do they? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, in nature. And so the book was my way of um, reminding myself and hopefully touching other people who want and are seeking a reminder to, you know, trust life again, to believe in um, your own renewal and the renewal of others, the renaissance, the rebirth, and that we don't really know where life is taking us. We don't know what's next. Uh, but whatever happens, if we continue to return to love, return to trusting life, uh, and believe that life wants us, you know, to, to win one way or another, whether it's teaching us something or giving us some kind of experience, um, to be more caught up in actually savoring as best we can. So appreciating and, um, you know, not heading off into the fear or the, the anxiety to continually return back to this place of, of love. And it starts with love of self and just, you know, like the greatest expression of loving yourself after a trauma or through a trauma is remaining in a space of buoyant, resilient joy and, optimism and renewal and constantly starting again, starting again, starting again, going back and back and back to remind yourself. And just through it all, like, you know, savor it, like life, like we're here. You know, it's such a beautiful thing, like, you know, shake me up. And I, you know, I, I want to be reminded of this constantly in my life. It's my whole work is around that, um, that mission, you know, Let's keep reminding ourselves how fortunate we are, how beautiful this world is, and to make better and better decisions about our lives and how we contribute to the world and um, abundantly share our wealth, whatever form that is, with, with others. So the book was really a reminder of that. And I do love to write um, poetry and prose. And uh, yeah, it was just a, a gentle... Um, kind, um, winsome storytelling about that experience, and uh, hopefully it touches people in the right in the right place. And you know, as people read it, they get something different out of it. Which is, when you look at the reviews online, it's really beautiful. The different experiences people are having when they uh, when they read it or gift it to somebody. Yeah, I'm going to read it to my grandchildren actually. So that will be. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a story for all, all romantics, you know, yeah. it's not a kid's story, which I think is important, yeah, yeah. To, you know, but if you're a certain age, and I love it, because people have been saying that to me also, that they wanted to read it to their children, and the audio version really is so splendid, that can be listened to, and, but I think it's such a great idea to actually read it, because here's the allegress, right, you're actually reading it to somebody and sharing in that uh, message and seeing what they... Yeah. What they bring out of it. And I absolutely love reading out loud. I think it's one of the things <laughs> that we think we should only do to children, but I actually think to gather a group and to read out loud is a wonderful experience. And I ran a um I ran a workshop with a colleague up in 
Birmingham in the UK. And mm. one of the things they asked us when we booked it is, uh, what time would you like your bonfire, you see? And this was an Italian colleague and he's like, what are they talking about? But what they meant was, if you sit around a campfire and read to each other and share conversation, there is nothing like it, David, really. So it was great. an extraordinary experience to, 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 to have a campfire. Uh, you're a bonfire. So um, you're reading your book. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, let's, do it. let's do it, definitely. <laughs> so what I'd like to move on to is thinking about one of the things that I feel is really challenging at this moment is time is leadership. And one of the things I come back to, and I wonder where it fits into your philosophy, is that we actually are all leaders. You know, we keep looking externally for the leaders that inspire us in politics, in business, and then we come back and say, but but they let us down, but they disappointed us, but they don't represent us. So I wonder where this sense of leadership, self-leadership fits into your philosophy and what you're working on. How many times have we heard from people from the Dalai Lama to my dear friend, Nick Haynes in the UK, kindness ambassador to all, you know, Thich Nahan to you know, many people in the um, human expansion space that to heal the world and change the world start by yourself. Um, when I spent some time in um, Dharamsala uh, in India, Northern India with, uh, with the Dalai Lama and also Samdung Rinpoche, you know, we spent four or five days doing some spiritual training. And at the end, they basically said to us, you know, you're here thinking you're you know, going to have a summit and change the world and all this kind of great stuff. And all they asked us was to go home and work on yourself. Yeah, sure. That's it. So, you know, and that's a, that's a challenging proposition uh, because we first of all have to face ourselves and actually really get going on those parts of ourselves that, really are yearning for healing and um, have been programming conditioned and you know maybe it's been a reaction of fear freezing or flight to something that's happened to us either when we were a child or afterwards and and to not consciously want to face some of that is to not want to progress and grow and become a stronger better human being and to be a leader mm. in your own um, renaissance and your own, you know, there's a great word in French, like finding yourself again. And for us not to wait until trauma. Uh, I had this trauma in my life of losing my wife. It was one hell of a reminder uh, to like, like, who are you, David? And what do you want? And how do you want to spend your life? How do you want to give to the world? How do you want to be in the world? And so we just get caught up a little bit and a lot in our own lives. And, you know, people have busy lives, you know, probably debatable if they've chosen, you know, most of that or not is, you know, are they making really choices that are supporting them to, uh, to, uh, to grow themselves and to become better, better human beings and to kind of lead in a, in a healthy way. So, so yes, it starts with taking the responsibility for your for yourself. And like 
when I created a life on this, it was a way of saying that mindfulness and meditation and these types of activities are extremely useful to get a grasp on your self and to overall realize that a moment of intimacy with yourself and with your thoughts and, you know, potentially, you know, with no sensory um, stimulation, you know, is pretty heavy duty kind of moment to me. A lot of people are not succeeding in just being in this quiet moment with themselves without all this bombardment. There's an addiction to the coming in, right? The uh, versus or what's coming out of you. So I think there's a balance there that is yearning to see the light. And also the idea that we can work so much on ourselves and then we kind of, you know, are like spiritually kind of lost or we have to go to some mountain to find it. And it like happens in a, in a seminar, some kind of vacuum experience is great. Uh, hopefully people are seeking out these. This is a good doorway. Uh, this is a good opening. This is a good starting point. Afterwards, though, the world is this wild, crazy place. And the question is, can we then bring this into the world, this way of being and use the actual world as the meditation, our everyday experiences, the challenging moments, the, you know, and, and start to actually do this in real life. This for me is the ultimate way of living a, you know, a, a sort of spiritually driven life is actually in real life. Yes. And, you know, becoming almost a materialist in that uh, respect. So, so yeah, there's lots of moments of decision there, which is leadership and then behavior that follows that. And yeah, and demonstrating to others, uh, leading for your family, for your friends, for the people that follow you on uh, in whatever you do professionally to, you know, take care of your body and like, you know, I think when we meet people, we can we can get a sense of um, how much they're taking care of themselves um, in a lot of ways, just from how they're being visually, et cetera. You know, then you wonder how's it going on the the inside world. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a tremendous amount of facing yourself, which clearly a lot of people want to live in ignorance, and maybe that's bliss potentially for some. I think we're in a period of awakening now that where leadership is actually finding a way to leverage what is happening uh, to, uh, you know, contribute to the world in a different way and include more people uh, with us in this adventure uh, of living in the period that we live in. Yeah. Uh, I really like these ideas, David. And, and I think it comes back to energy in the end doesn't it really you know mm. how do you nurture your energy how do you nurture the energy in others how does your energy project yeah. into the world and inspire yeah. others to me that sort of is is and encompasses it and we were talking yesterday on a course I was running about John Kabat-Zinn's book wherever you go there you are which is again yeah. you know, it's yeah. like you can't keep going to the mountain to be inspired or to find yourself you are there where you are and that's where you find yourself and that's where you become yourself and that's mm. where you lead from. So I, I love the ideas so good. that you're yeah. proclaiming actually. So I'd like you to think, uh, David, what, what would your final message to listeners be? What would you like them to take away at this time as a core message from you? 
you know, life is life is to be lived and we are here to experience all the joy and pleasure that we give ourselves permission to in spite of what is happening in the world. And so savor the moments, cherish them, celebrate them, and be the person who on your tombstone is written, you know, so-and-so loved life so much. We never saw anyone who loved life as much as them. I love that. I love that. Fantastic. David, it's been absolute joy to reconnect with you. Um, I've really enjoyed your book. I'm going to read it again out loud to myself this afternoon. So that would be <laughs> a real pleasure. But thank you for sharing yourself, your thoughts, your energy and your joy with us. Thank you My so pleasure. much. Thanks, Shane. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please do subscribe to the Barefoot Mediator podcast series and if you would like to access my free video series for managing in times of change, challenge and crisis and download a PDF copy of my book, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom, please go to janegunn.co.uk slash video. The link is in the show notes.